Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Hey, today I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. And it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, his plans. He's organized. He's strategic, y'all. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against a race. Our struggle is not against a political agenda. Our struggle is not the way that somebody voted or didn't vote, but against rulers, against authority, against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. What in the Star Wars Galactica? Therefore, put on the whole armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. Three times he says stand. It's interesting. It's confusing but interesting. Hmm. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Hey, I'm hoping that you're taking notes today. Grab your phone, grab something to write with. Um, But today in this final installment of War Cry, the series, I want to speak to you. I want to preach to you from this subject or from this idea, dressed to the nines, dressed to the to the nines. Come on, would you pray with me? Father, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to come into your presence, Lord. And Father, we pray, Lord, that today in the amount of time that we have allotted, Lord, that we would hear from you. Let my words, let let me cease, Lord God. And let your power, let your strength, let your words increase in this place. John 3.30, we pray, Father, that you would speak so clearly to us. Give us the tools that we need, Father God, to be able to stand in the day, Lord God. Father, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray, Lord God. Amen and amen. Come on, Greater Church, would you put your hands together for Jesus one more time? Dressed to the nines. The other day, we had a, we had a Veterans Day celebration. Um, here at the church, we, we, we learned a lot. And I remember I have a conversation with Jessica and, um, and I was, I thought veterans uh, looked a certain way. I thought there was a certain way that you celebrated and little did I know. Um, and she explained to me that veterans are not people who have retired, but there are people that are currently deployed right now, as well as people that are stateside right now. And the gratitude that we share right now, that we get to celebrate, you get to grab a turkey and put it in the oven. You're not worried about a bombshell landing next door. You're not worried about losing your life when you you go to the store. Um, as a matter of fact, right now I have a microphone and I can preach Jesus without being afraid of somebody running in here. And it's because of those men and women um, that have given of their time, their talents. Some of them have given their very life so that we can experience this freedom. And I'm so grateful if you are in law enforcement, if you are a first responder, if you have served in the military today, we honor you. We don't just wait for that Veterans Day and then we forget about you. We honor you and we're so grateful for you. And Greater Church, can we make some noise for all of those men and women? All of the families that have sacrificed as their families get deployed. We're praying that they would come back safely. Today as we celebrate Thanksgiving, there is a lot of individuals that are eating MRIs. And they're not eating Thanksgiving dinners the way that we get to. I was sitting at this Veterans Veterans Day celebration. um, And the mayor asked me to come and to do the invocation. And when I show up to this invocation, um, it's, I mean, just a sea of people that are there. And I'm feeling super out of place. Super out of place because I never served. I don't even know how to cook. What does one have to do with the other one? But I, I, I walk in there and I'm, it's a sea of people and the mayor's like, yo, come on. I need you to sit over here. You sit next to me. And I'm like, oh, crap. So it's me, Tim, the mayor. And then there's the general of the uh, Air Georgia Guard. This guy is super decorated. I mean, guy has been in for a pretty long time. And then there's some other individuals from the city that are there. And I'm sitting up there and I'm like, man, I should have wore a suit. I should have did one of the little things right there that the 
priests be doing with the little white thing. So I can at least, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm out here in a freaking shirt and a hoodie. Like, I'm like, God, I should have done better. But then I see out in the open and everybody's regular. They're wearing their hats, their retired hats. They got on their, 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 their sleeveless leather vest with all their stuff on it. And, and as I'm sitting there, I'm just feeling super, super out of place. And then I remember that... Uh, Mayor went up and he did the thing and they did the color guard. I mean, it's beautiful. Um, they had North Cobb Christian. Uh, the, they had an incredible rendition of America the Beautiful. And then it had an orchestra. I mean, it was just beautiful. And then it was my turn. <laughs> and the color guard walked all the way to the back and they did their thing. And I don't know how they, you know what I mean? All that stuff that they do. And, it's just like, and, and so, uh, so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't want to pray. <laughs> I say, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go up there and I just... I just said, I don't know much here. And the microphone was super low. So I'm like trying to bring the microphone up and it's just really awkward. And, and then I say, oh God, I just, and then I just prayed. This part I know because this part I'm familiar with. This part I don't have to earn it. This part I don't have to have stripes to be able to approach. This part I've learned that I can enter to his throne boldly with grace. So this part I know how to do. This is the only part I know how to do in this entire deal. Feeling out of place. Here's the moment that I felt in place. And I remember that I just sat there and I finished in it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And I went down and sat down. And the Holy Ghost left me right there. I went back to like, why am I here? Why do I say yes to these things? Like, what did I even pray? Did I curse? Like, I don't even, what did I do? Like, I hate myself. Why am I doing this? This is so dumb. And, you know, just sitting there. And here it is that they introduced this general, you know what I mean? Like a big deal. And he's up there and, you know, he just... I want to welcome all the men and women today. And everybody's like, oh, reverend. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, my God, this guy, he's like God. You know what I mean? And I'm super embarrassed. Everything finished. And as soon as everything finished, you know, the, 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 the deal, he had finished sitting down. And uh, mayor went up there. And some of the chief, uh, some of the, the, the city officials went up there. And they closed it. They did beautiful singing, all of that stuff. And they were like, happy Veterans Day. We love you. Pop, pop, pop. It's ended. The general... I'm sitting there still like, what an idiot. What did I even say? Why did I do this? The general gets up and he walks right over to me and he's like, man, thank you so much. Wow, sir, I appreciate you so much. This man, sir, who? <laughs> I just, my, oh my God, I just want to say thank you so much. I'm like, thank me. At this point, I'm like shaking, but then my hands started getting a little firm. I was like, hey, well, praise the Lord, brother. No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. That's weird. I don't do that. I don't do that. Bless the lamb. Hallelujah. Glory to God. His service to him. Glory to God. No, no. I just, you know, I shook his hand and I said, man, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you for your service. Thank you because we get to live in a freedom that you provide. You and your men have provided through a lot of sacrifice. And I'm just grateful for you guys that we can celebrate you on Veterans Day. I learned something. What I learned is that the general saw something in me that sometimes I don't see. It's that I carry something. There is an anointing, but there's also spiritual authority. This is not Chino. Yo, if you knew my story, you knew that I'm an idiot. I can say that pretty well. I might know a lot of good things, but if you looked at my past, you wouldn't be very impressed. But the fact that the general was able to get up, that this man shook my hand, there was something inside of me that I carry that he realized he's a human how much more does the enemy understand and know the things that you carry because what i want you to understand is that not that chino carries these things it's because there's a god that's inside of me that he spews out i get filled so that i may be spilled on a daily basis so if he can recognize the god inside of me how much more can the enemy recognize the god inside of you has little to do with you has little to do with how good you are or how bad you are, but what you're carrying inside of you. Can I tell you that on a regular basis, I asked this last week, and if I ask it again, I guarantee that a bunch of hands will go up. As a matter of fact, I want to show you because I know that we have several different new people here, but do me a favor. If you sleep eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, like, I mean, you got a good night's sleep. I mean, you, you slept good. You know what I mean? Like you had a good sleep. How many of you wake up the next day, and when you wake up the next day, if you answer last week, you can answer this week too, so it doesn't look dumb and corny, but, but you slept eight to ten hours, good, but you wake up the next day, and you're still tired. Raise your hand real quick. Like the mic hates me, you know what I mean? Like, do me, keep your hand up, keep your hand up, keep your hand up. I, I want you to look around, look around. This is not normal. This is called spiritual warfare, because while your body is rested, 
logically, physically, it would tell you that you should be rested and that you should wake up feeling good, but you still have this deal that you're dealing with and it is a spiritual fight. There is a spiritual fight that you're dealing with on a daily basis. This is not something, what in the Star Wars? Oh my God, this poltergeist, Chino. No, 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 no. This is scripture and this is real. Whether you believe it or not, you're engaged in it. And if you are a believer in Jesus, you're right in the middle of this thing, especially now. See, the enemy is not omnipresent. The enemy is not omniscient. He can't see everything and he can't be in all places at one time. So the Bible says that there are days that the enemy would come and it says that he leaves and that he comes back and he checks the house. But he can't be there all the time. So there is a day and you'll notice that there are seasons of your life where you feel this heaviness. And you're driving in your car and you're like, I feel like I got to do something. Like there's something in my, and your mind is being boggled. And in your heart, you're walking around and you're like, I don't know why I feel sad, but I, I just, man, I feel depressed. Or like, I, there's something wrong. Something's going on. And you're carrying this thing. You're walking from space to face and you're like, yo, I got enough money in, to be able to pay the bills and I've saved the money. My kids are good, but I just can't find peace. Like there's just something that I feel like and you get to this space where you're like, I love God, but sometimes I question this thing. You know what I mean? Like, is this even worth it? Is my marriage worth it? Is, is me even trying worth it? And then you get to this place where even the word of God, which especially in the season that we're in right now, has come under such, such scrutiny. People have tried to fight this thing for thousands of years and have fell short every time. But there are seasons that this thing even, I started reading the Bible and it was good and I started doing my soap. But then I got to Leviticus and man, them people were doing some crazy stuff. Then I got to numbering, Shaklunda, Beget, Samaya, and all this weird stuff. I went to high school with her. And you're looking at all these and it's just after a while, you're just like, I don't even want to read the Bible. Spiritual warfare. These are moments where the enemy has been strategic. Scripture says that, not Chino, I'm not trying to scare you into anything. As a matter of fact, I'm trying to give you tools to be able to stand. Here it is that the Bible, Paul understands this, and he's writing to the Ephesians, and he begins by telling them, I want you to understand finally, I've explained to you who God is and the fact that you're in God and the fact that God is inside of you. 30 different times he, call, he says that we are in Christ. So meaning that we have the righteousness of Jesus. We are the righteousness of Jesus. But then he shifts gear for just a moment and he says, yo, God is always going to take care of you. You stand under his power, under his might. He begins this thing. But then he says, now what I want you to do is I want you to get ready for a fight. And then he starts this fight by telling us that we have to stand. He says it three different times. I want you to be stand, get dressed so that you can stand. And once you stand, I want you to stand firm. And in three different ways, the Jews usually do, especially when you're writing in scripture, whether it's Greek or whether it's Hebrew, you always see things repeated twice to signify importance. But when it's three different times, there's something about it, but it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me. I've gotten in a few fights in my life. And I don't think I've ever gotten in a fight and just stood there. That's not a fight. <laughs> How many of y'all know that's abuse? <laughs> Could you imagine just a UFC fighter getting in the ring? Some of them do it and that's why they get knocked out. But some of just, just sit there and just. Yo, why would Paul, in the middle of teaching us how to fight, why would he tell us to stand? Because standing is all about position. Your position is super important. Even in life, when you go to work, you don't just stand anywhere. There's certain places that you have to man. When you're in the war, it's important for you to understand that there is a station, there is an area for you to be able to stand, for you to defend an area or for you to defend something. I mean, think about this. When a woman gets married, like Em, when she got married, Em wasn't sitting in the front like hanging out, you know what I mean? Like she just wasn't like, oh, you know, I'm getting married. Emily wasn't sitting there. Whitley was in the front crying. You know what I mean? I made him turn around. He, he, they weren't sitting there just like, I'm ready when you are. No, no, no. That was a position and, and a position of honor and prestige. A, a, a position of importance. Where she stood at mattered because the moment that she walked in the room, everybody stood to their feet. I mean, in sports, you can see that their positioning is so important. If you're on your heels, you're going to get knocked back. But if you're on the balls of your feet, you're always ready. This is what Paul was telling them. I want you to stand because your position and where you are means something. Can I tell you something? The fact that he says stand, it means that you're in the right place. 
I've never seen a movie. I've never seen a movie. I've never even heard on the news where individuals of high profile crimes, people who have intelligent wherewithal on how to steal things from people. Like, you know, those people that put their ear to the safe. You know what I mean? Remember that? Click, 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 click. You know what I mean? Like, I've never seen none of those people do that to a homeless person. Like, I've never seen them go to downtown Atlanta to a bunch of homeless people, jump out with AK-47s and like, oh, come on, we're timing it. Quick, give me your toothbrush. Why? Because they don't have any monetary value. They have value in their identity and who they are because God loves them regardless of where they are. But yo, they don't have anything to steal. The people who get stolen from are the people who have value and have things inside of them. So could it be that when Paul is saying for you to stand, you're in the right position? Why? Because these attacks are coming to you, not because you don't possess anything, but because there's something inside of you that the enemy sees and that the enemy wants to snuff out. Could it be that standing is about you being in the right marriage? You're married to the right person. You're in the right job. You're in the right church. You're in the right space. Stand. Don't run from this thing because inside of you right now, the enemy is noticing something that every time you get up out of bed and you put one foot on the ground, he's like, God, dog, man. Couldn't he take another melatonin? Couldn't he sleep a little bit longer? Because the enemy understands there's something inside of you that is going to wage war. So many hands that have gone up that you're under spiritual warfare, that the enemy is attacking you in your sleeps. What would happen if we were the ones that understood this thing and actually stood? I know where I'm at. I'm the right mom for the job. I'm the right teacher for my students. I'm the right wife for my husband. I'm the right husband for my wife. I'm the right friend. I'm the right spouse. I am in the right place. Stand therefore. Stand therefore. And then he begins to paint this picture of these spiritual forces and all of this stuff that you're just like, I want to show you something because I want you to understand that you like, you like this stuff. But when it starts talking about demons and forces and principalities, uh, I don't know. You know, it's like, I don't know, this is weird. Like, I don't know about all that stuff. I saw something running the other day in my living room. <laughs> but, but some of us, we're like, that's spooky. I want you to read something. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Paul, Apollos, we don't know who wrote the book of, Ephe uh, of Hebrews, but at the beginning, he's teaching us what is faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the things, things not seen, the evidence of things not seen. By it, we see that the worlds were framed. And then verse 13, verse 3, he says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. It's a little confusing, but here's what it means. It means that everything that you see wasn't made by everything that you see. Yahweh, the very name Yahweh, it means he is the creator of everything that exists. God himself, he is a spirit. He's not physical. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 that the spirit of the Lord hovered over the earth. And then when he spoke, he said, let there be. And the sun came out and the water and the animals. He spoke out of his mouth in the spiritual and it manifested. It was parent to the physical and the physical came out of these things. So there is a spiritual realm. There is spiritual forces at play. There are things that you don't see that are shifting and directing your life. There's a reason why when you scroll on your phone sometimes, things are in front of you that are specifically tailored for you. It's weird, right? Because like you can get on and it's, I call it social media schizophrenia and I've talked about it. You know what I mean? You, you scroll through one thing and it's like, I want to buy a car and then I want to buy a house and then injustice and then I, you know, I need to get new shoes and then like, oh my God, I can't believe that she married him. And then, you know, you look over here, I haven't seen them in forever. And then you're like, oh, so that's where they went. I mean, like as you scroll, your emotions go so many different ways if you're scrolling through social media. Could it be that the enemy is smart the Bible says that he has schemes and he has plans. Could it be that you're being directed to like something and to not like something? I watched this movie. It was called The Social Dilemma. And I would ask you to watch it. I'm not preaching on The Social Dilemma. I just think it's pretty interesting that when I watch a movie, and shout out to Bizzle. He, I mean, he gave a, a crazy illustration on this. A Christian artist friend of mine. He gave a, cr a crazy illustration. I watch Ocean's 8 with the ladies. Y'all remember that? How many of y'all watch Ocean's 8? Crazy. Ocean's 11. They're like fun. Four of y'all put your hands up. The rest of y'all watch Passion of the Christ every day. I get it. <laughs> but crazy as a Christian that I watch these women and they're robbing a 
bank. But I want them to get away with it. I'm like cheering for them. I'm like, oh my God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't go that way. I'm cheering for the bank robbers. And then there are other times, like if I watch, you know, takers, I'm like, I'm going for the bad guys. But then it's crazy because then I watch something like Bad Boys and I'm going for the cops. And I watch certain movies where I'm like, oh, I want the cop to catch the bad guy. I've never watched 48 hours and seen somebody who is who has done something to a child and been excited about him getting away. How come I root for the bad guy sometimes and sometimes I root for the good guy? Could it be that there is a director with a finite mind that is creating a plot that is allowing me to fall in line with something and be able to follow along the lines of, oh, I want the bank robbers to win or I want the police to win. If a director who has a finite mind, meaning that his mind is not omniscient, he doesn't know everything, if he can steer my emotions and put me in a place where I'm cheering for the wrong side, could it be that the enemy still does that to us? If he's smart, the enemy has been here longer than any director that is on earth right now, could it be that the enemy knows how to do the very same things? We're in a spiritual fight, y'all. This is something that is real and something that has been happening since the very beginning. It was Adam and Eve in chapter 3 of Genesis that encountered the enemy for the first time at the beginning of this thing. So could it be that this man is smart enough, whatever he is, could it be that he's smart enough to be able to create us or, or to put stuff in front of us and to get us to where now we're, we're, we're pinning two black men against each other with some weird rules and both of them love Jesus but they're both making ads and speaking so bad about each other that it's embarrassing to watch two grown men that love Jesus sit there and fight against each other like we ain't got enough fight coming from the enemy and I don't care who you voted for I don't care who you think loves Jesus or doesn't love Jesus what I know in my heart is that it's embarrassing and it breaks my heart to watch two grown men do this who made these rules up? How is it that we're pinning Christians against each other now, especially minorities? We got enough fight to do with on ourselves by ourselves. But you're watching this happen. It's, I mean, it's heartbreaking. Could it be that the enemy's smart? All right, I built that up. I explained that. Y'all know he's, oh my God, he's smart. Now I get it. It's not poltergeist. Okay, cool. Now you understand. Here's what the Bible says. Paul says, I want you to stand. The reason I want you to stand is because there's all of these forces inside. All of these forces that are on the outside, strategic. There's certain neighborhoods that you can go to that you can affiliate to a certain crime. Isn't that crazy? That there's certain neighbors that you're like, oh, this neighborhood is this type of neighborhood. This neighborhood is this type of neighborhood. Why is that? Could it be that this is the very same thing that happened in Mark chapter 5? When the Bible says that the man who had the demon-possessed spirit, he comes to Jesus. I preached about this a few weeks ago. Remember that when he comes to Jesus, Jesus asks him, what's your name? He says, Legion, we are many Legion, about a 5,000 mark, a 5,000 mark of, of a Roman Legion. And so he tells them, please don't let us go from this area. Pretty crazy. I'm going to just keep on preaching. The Bible says that he begins to teach them. And Paul tells them, during the evil day, because there's a day when the enemy attacks you. Jesus was with him and he got attacked three different times. And then the Bible says that the enemy left him and then the angels ministered to him. We see that even with Job, the Bible says that he was roaming to and from from the earth. And then he comes to God and there was an attack that happened over Job in that day. You can see that there are the days. This is not something that you have to experience on a daily basis. That the devil, a whole year of your life, you're just being bombarded by the enemy. The Bible says resist the devil and he will so if I give you some tools to be able to resist him, then he's going to, the word is flee, guys, flee, F-L-E-E, -E, like run, like, oh my God, I'm going to leave. This is what it means. Here's what Paul says. He says, I want you to do me a favor and I want you to put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand, understanding that standing, if I'm standing in a fight, number one, I'm in the right position, but there got to be something around me that's fighting for me. I don't get that part. I'll show it to you later. Stand. He says, I want you to put on the breastplate of righteousness, your heart, where the issues of life. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. The Bible says, keep your heart with all diligence or protect your heart with all diligence. For of it spring the issues of life. It is right here in this heart. It's even in our vital organs that we get our feelings from. 
That's why you wake up in the morning and you don't want to talk to people sometimes because it's your feeling. That's why somebody tells you, hey, I got to call somebody, but you don't feel like talking to somebody. There are moments in your life where sexuality, you cross a line because of a feeling. There are things that happen in your life that you respond to because of a feeling. Feelings direct you in places that you don't want to go. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things. That's why he's teaching us right here to guard your heart from out of it flow the issues of life. It's how you feel, your emotions. It's when I'm depressed, I don't want to talk to nobody. I feel like dying. But when I got joy in my life, now I want to take me evangelizing. Do I serve in the food bank? What do I do? Come on, I want to talk to anybody. You calling people you ain't talked to in weeks because you're bored in the car. I just, hey, what you doing? And they don't want to talk to you. I'll call you back. But it's your feelings. What? How crazy is it that Paul understood this and he said, I want you to I want you to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Here's what it means. I want you to understand all of the armament that he's talking about or the armor of God. These were things that were done that were mocking or I'm sorry, that were modeled after the Roman guards. So what you see right now is literally what Paul was looking at because the Hebrews, the Israelites, they didn't have an army. They were slaves to them. So what we're talking about here, when you look at the army, he was looking at the Roman army. So a lot of what you're going to hear today is literally just going to be that. Coming from a Roman standpoint, these Romans, they had these breastplates. Y'all seen them? These like gold breastplates that go around them and it covers their torso. All of their vital organs are covered by it. And here's what Paul is saying. I want you to put on the breastplate of righteousness. So what he's telling you is for you to cover your hearts, the issues that flow from it, you got to put on my righteousness because you have to understand you are not your brokenness. You are my righteousness, that you are not your mistakes. You are not the mistake that you made. You are my righteousness. It's hard for you to identify as a righteousness or a righteous person. Oh, that's Chino. <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> Ask my wife. <laughs> But because of the righteousness that was imputed to me or that was given to me, I stand in his righteousness. Let me let the Bible talk to y'all because some of y'all are looking at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. My favorite, my favorite verse in the world, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus takes all of Chino's sins and everything that he's done wrong and in exchange for everything that Chino has done wrong, God puts all of Jesus's good stuff on me. I didn't earn that. I didn't deserve that. There shouldn't even be a reason that I got it, but I have it. There's a righteousness that comes upon me because it was imputed to me through Jesus. My righteousness. Watch this. Romans chapter 5 verse 19. It says for... For as by one's man disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made. Let's read that together so that we get a little bit of understanding and clarity on this. So by one's man disobedience, that's Adam at the very beginning. Also by one man, Jesus, obedience, many were made righteous. So I want you to understand who are these two figures that the Bible is talking about. Let's read it together. Y'all ready? For by... So the righteousness that you walk in was not a righteousness that you earned. We earned the sinful side. But Jesus came to be able to give us the righteous side. So when we put on the breastplate of righteousness, it's not our own righteousness. When you wake up in the morning and you say, Father, I walk in your righteousness, that helps you not to sin. That helps you not to walk into the same ways that you did before. Because before it used to be like, I'm a sinner, so I might as well just sin. I made a mistake. I am a mistake. And what happens is that it's easy for you to step into sin when you think that you're just a sinner. But one moment that you put on the righteousness of God, it helps you to walk a little bit different. Now you identify with Jesus and you're just like, I don't want to do the same things that I did before. I don't want to bring shame to your name. You got to put on the righteousness of God that it covers your heart. And then he says, I want you to put on the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Now, the belt of truth actually held up the breastplate of righteousness. And it was this belt that went around them. But it also had guards to be able to guard their private areas. And they had like either, it had either a mesh of metal or it actually had a plate that was there. And basically what this thing was that it wrapped around them and it held everything together. The Bible says, Paul says, put on the belt of truth. 
So truth is the very thing that is going to hold everything together. And it's not your truth or the truth that you believe or whatever is your truth. It's the truth of the scriptures. It's what the Bible says. This is what truth that you bind around that holds everything together. That you understand I am the righteousness of God. Yeah, I made some mistakes. But the truth of the scripture is that I am the righteousness of God. This thing is going to hold it together. But not only does it hold it together, it protects an area of your body that produces and reproduces. So meaning that in your entire being, you're holding up righteousness, you're walking through the belt of truth, but you're also reproducing truth. That everything about your life is to be reproducing truth. That when you talk to your children, sometimes you encourage them way more than you encourage yourself. Because you tell them, man, you're so good, you're so smart, you're such a good boy. But then behind the scenes, you do just like Chino who sits there and is like, man, why am I here? What an idiot, dude. You always make the same mistakes. You always do the same crap. When are you ever going to learn? And you speak so much negativity and lies to yourself when in reality what you have to do is put on the belt of truth. When you wake up in the morning, God, I walk in your righteousness. But Father, I walk in your truth today too. I am not the mistakes that I made. I am not the attack of the enemy. I am not what he sits there and tries to bombard me with. Father, I am your righteousness. I am a son. I am an heir. And you begin to walk in the truth. It changes the way you walk when you got the belt on. Your pants ain't falling down. You got them up. You got your, your righteousness is being held up by the truth. You understand this is who I am. Scripture says, I, I want you to put on the breastplate of righteousness. I want you to put on the belt of truth. And then he says, and I want your feet to be protected, assured with the righteousness that comes from the gospel of peace. The... The, the men and women who were, or men at that time, who were in the Roman guard or who were Roman soldiers, they would have these sandals. And in these sandals, what would happen is that at the bottom of these sandals, there would be spikes, right? And those spikes would be all in their foot. And the reason why they had those spikes is because as they were marching, they would dig down into the ground with them. It's like anybody ever play sports? You know when you wear cleats? This is where cleats came from. So they had these cleats that they would go into the ground and they were able to hold their ground. Where, wherever, whatever would happen, they were able to fight. But not only were they able to fight, but they were able to run quicker because they were able to, it's like cleats. They were able to go in different places. Isn't it crazy that Paul is telling us that I want you to have your feet, your sandals on your feet because I want you to have balance. But the balance that you have is not a balance of, of your body, but of your peace. That this is what the enemy is contending towards us every single day. He's just trying to snatch our peace. And there's not enough money. There's not enough time. You can't buy peace. Peace has to be received by faith. Even for those of us that have called on the name of Jesus, we have a moment where everything is around us and we're like, yo, I feel, man, it's an attack. I feel like, man, I'm done with this. I hate everything. But then there comes a moment where we offered peace and that peace just doesn't overwhelm us and just, oh, capture us. There has to be a moment where we just, all right, God, I just receive your peace, Lord. And in that moment of surrender, something happens where all of a sudden now it's like, I can't get knocked off. That every time I see that everything that everybody else is angry about, and it used to make me angry, now it's no longer knocking me off because I got, I got balance. I know when to hold it. I know which way to go. I'm not getting knocked out by that. But it's crazy because the Bible says that with defeat, wherever you go, you also bring peace with you. This Thanksgiving, there's going to be some people that come to your house or you're going to somebody else who ain't got no peace. You know what I mean, Sonny? It's, it's just, there's, there's just certain people that just, they're just unpeaceful. And you don't like being around them, but you got to because they're family. But the promise of scripture is that not only do I have God's righteousness, my righteousness is being held up, but I got balance. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting up in the morning and I'm putting on my balance. I, I got my feet shut with the readiness to preach the gospel of peace. I got wherever I go, I'm preaching this peace. Wherever my foot lands, when you walk into the job and everybody's frustrated and mad and wants to leave, you walk in with peace, y'all. Be grateful that you got a job. There are people who don't have a job. You bring peace to the situation. You bring balance to the situation. And the Bible says, I'll move through this quickly. Then the Bible says, I want you to take the shield of faith. Now, the shield of faith was this deal that would go all the way from the bottom up until the person right over their eyelids where they were able to see. And what they would do is they would, you know that sound from like the 300 and stuff? They put it down and they were able to stand against any arrows or anything that came. What would happen is that the shield covered everything. 
shield of faith, covered everything, right? From head to toe, it covered everything. But what was crazy was that the enemy knew when they have the shield, we can't penetrate or we can't go past the shield. So what did the enemy do? The enemy got smart with it. I want you to bring up that scripture real quick from Ephesians chapter 7. Do me a favor, the second one. <sighs> well, the other one, the other, you just had it, you just had it. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the... You've seen that? You've seen that in the movies? Where they light the arrows and they shoot it at them because they can't get past the shield. So what they try to do is they try to burn past the shield. And if I can get enough shields on fire, then we can be able to push the ranks backwards because now they're on fire and they have to let go of the shield. What happens though is that these men, what they would do with their shields, their shields were made of, would be made of leather. And what they would do is that for months at a time, weeks at a time, sometimes for days at a time, they would soak these leather shields in water. And they would have it where they shield. If you've ever seen leather, when it gets wet, it's like super heavy and like, and they would grab these shields and they would dip them in the water. And now when the enemy would shoot these fiery darts, all of a sudden the flaming arrows would come, they would hit, but they would be extinguished. Isn't it crazy that the Bible says that that's what our faith does to our shield? That every time that the enemy throws a fiery dart, it gets extinguished. How do we put faith on our shields? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the so this thing right here called the Bible is what we need to be soaking our faith in every single day. That we need to be turning to the scripture. When anxiety is taking your mind away from you, it's Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 through 7. When you don't know where the money's coming from, Philippians 4 19, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ. That there are things that we need to soak in. That's why we read the Bible every day. We don't read the Bible every day to be able to earn God's love. We read the Bible every day from God's love. So when we spend time with him in scripture, when you allot the time to be able to read your Bible, I know, our old school, I remember hearing that in my granddad's church. Yeah, it's true. The Bible begins to teach you things and all of a sudden now you got your freaking shield so soaked and saturated in the word that every time that the enemy tries to show you men, a woman who's wearing clothes that don't look too revealing, all of a sudden now you're not finding yourself at night drafted in pornography, but you stood your ground and you're like, yo, that's not going to work on me anymore. That's not going to work. I'm not stepping outside of that. Ladies, when somebody says something to you and asks you something and all of a sudden your mind goes crazy. Why did she ask that? I can't believe she said that. Why did she, what was she was trying to say with that? Was she trying to say I'm a bad mom? Oh my gosh, she doesn't know me. She doesn't know. I'm taking my earrings off. She what did she say? You eliminate that because you got the shield of faith. It is so. I am the righteousness of God. I am enough to stand and be the mom that my kid needs. I'm not worried about what you're saying about me because I got the shield of faith. And it's soaked with the word of God. It's funny that tied together with the shield of faith, the Bible says that I want you to take the sword of the spirit. Here's why it's funny, because the sword of the spirit is the word of God. That's what the Bible says. Bring it up again at the very end of it. And I want you to take up, take up the helmet of salvation and take up the sword of the spirit, which is the... When you think about a sword of the spirit, you're thinking about this huge, like, you know what I mean? Conan. Dang, I'm so old. <laughs> Some of y'all remember Conan the Barbarian. What is something now? Power Rangers. I don't know. Like, Highlander. Y'all remember Highlander? Stop, Chino, you boomer. <laughs> you think this huge sword, you know what I mean? And it's just like, king. Do you know that the word sword that is used there in the ancient Greek is not for a big sword? It's called mahara. And the word mahara actually means a blade. It is a blade that is used whenever they would go hunting. This is the blade in which they would cut the animals and they would be able to skin the animals. This is also the blade that is used for hand-to-hand -hand combat. So here it is that what the scripture is telling you is that I got everything around you. But when it gets close to you, you got to be able to use the sword. Now what happens is that the enemy knows how to entangle you. And just like I mentioned a minute ago, these things happen on a regular basis. A few moments ago, 30 minutes ago. I mentioned to you Christmas and how much money you had to pay. And all of a sudden, something sprung up inside of you. It's called anxiety. You were like, huh, I got four of those kids. <laughs> I'm going to pay a lot of money. Oh, my God. And it's just this anxiety rises up inside of you. Isn't it crazy that the Mahara, what it does is that it, it's close to hand-to-hand -hand combat. And where the enemy puts these webs around you and where the enemy feels like he has you 
together and he has you stuck up, that you have grabbed this mahara, this thing that is close to you, and then you could begin to peel these things off. No, I'm not dealing with this. Because my God said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, make your request known unto the Lord. And the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus. I'm cutting that off. I'm no longer walking in that. Man, my son, I, I keep hearing the flu and all of a sudden my throat started getting itchy and things started. Well, I know that my God will supply all my needs, but I also know that my God was the one that took the stripes so that I can grab this healing. So I'm going to make an uneven exchange, one that I don't deserve, but I'm going to stand before him. And I know that Psalms 23 says, the Bible says in Psalms 27, it says that God who forgives me of all of my sins and heals all my diseases. I know that Psalm 9 91 talks about this idea that those who are under the shadow of the almighty shall be covered will be protected and while there's a thousand that fall on my left side and ten thousand on my right side it shall not come to me or my household and we begin to take the scriptures and we begin to take it at face value that yo i'm crying tears now but there's gonna come a day my perspective shifts i'm crying tears now but there's gonna come a day where the bible says that jesus is gonna wipe every tear so devil right now you won't have place in my life i'm gonna wipe these tears off now they might keep coming but i'm gonna stand because of the sword of the spirit so now this mahara this thing that is close to you now you can begin to peel off the things and the lies my dad told me that i would always be this and forever i thought that i would always be a failure and my mom told me you're gonna pay for everything that you did and so every time that something bad happens to me, I accept it and I say, thank you, God, because this is my payment. I know that I have to pay for this. But I, what I don't understand is that Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 says that Jesus became a curse for cursed is he who hangs on a tree. So every single spiritual curse that is over my life, every generational curse, I claim the scriptures and it is broken over my life. I no longer have to walk in fear. I no longer have to walk afraid of what the enemy does or afraid of the words that have been entangled. I'm cutting everything that they said over me. I'm cutting everything that happened before my divorce I'm cutting everything that happened before I had that abortion I'm cutting everything before I got in that fight I'm cutting everything before I did those I'm no longer living by those things they're not gonna chase me around for the rest of my life I got the mahara I got the sword the word I'm, I'm cutting this thing off and then the Bible says he actually said this first but I wanted to put it last because I feel like this is where we're at and it's crazy to think but actually it's not because all through scriptures I've seen it in so many different ways but the Bible says that I want you to put on the the helmet of salvation the helmet of salvation the helmet was this thing that covered them from it covered over their ears and it covered them right under they could even cover their eyes with it whenever they brought it down and it covered all their heads so whenever they would get struck by anything they were good and it's crazy because, man, I feel like that's the number one place that the enemy shoots at all of us so much. Like, I mean, he, he can hit your balance and your peace, but, but you know how to read the word. You, you know how to get back to this thing. He, he shoots at your righteousness, but you know how to be able to say, I'm the righteousness of God. I, I got, and yeah, I messed up and I did some dumb stuff. You know what I mean? I, I've given my intimacy to other people instead of giving it to Jesus. But, but you know how to pull the truth out. And I know how to have faith. I, I have faith. You gotta have faith. I know how to do that part. And the Mahara, I know, I know how to get the Bible. You know what I mean? Like, I know how to. But I know how to read in the back of the Bible where you go to the glossary and you use the Google. And I know how to read all the scriptures that talk about depression. But I'm still living a depressed life. Why? Because most of your trouble starts right here. Some of us, we have to wake up differently than other people because if we wake up the wrong way, this thing starts going and oh my God. I can't check my text messages on Sundays until a certain time. Because if I text it, <laughs> Jesus, where you go? <laughs> this thing right here is where everything begins. And you start going in cycles in your brain and it's just like back and forth and you're just isn't it crazy that what scripture is saying right now is that he would put the helmet of salvation that what will happen is that it will change your perspective 
They, you won't just look at this momentary little blip of 80, 90, 100 years that you live, but you're going to look at all of eternity. Hey man, I believe this church believes in the gifts of the Spirit. We've seen people be healed in this place. You can't deny it. We've seen deliverances where people have had full-blown demonic possession and we've seen them set free walking in their right mind. We've seen God do some things. There are people who have walked in with paralyzed legs and have walked out with a leg that's actually working. I believe all of those things. But I, I also know this. Michelle, if she comes right here right now and her arm falls out, and there's blood everywhere. And my wife will get so mad because there's a new carpet. She's like, I told you not to do that. And she's just, and there's blood. I'm just kidding, baby. You're the best. You would actually be the one to put her arm back. So she'll come back and she'll be like, arm back and you're healed, right? Your arm went back. And then she's like, blood, leave and back in her body. Because my wife has that type of faith. And it goes, boom, out of the carpet and into your body. But clean, not dirty blood. It'll be good. It'll be back in you. It'll be good. She's still going to die. It's appointed man for once to die. So no matter how much healing you get, no matter how many words you get, there's coming a moment where all of us are going to pass away and we're going to meet Jesus and it's going to be for all eternity. Drake is a liar. He said you only live once. That's a lie. When you cease to exist here, you're going to step into eternity. What eternity looks like is dependent on the strongest force that has ever existed on planet earth or this side of eternity and it's called salvation that you would spend all eternity with God or that you would spend all eternity separated from God hell was not created for us hell was created for the devil and his angels when we don't repent from our sins when we don't turn when we don't give God our faith we begin to walk that way repentance is that if I'm walking this way I'm gonna make a u-turn and I'm gonna walk towards God the helmet of salvation what it does it is it puts that into perspective now when your bills come and you're looking at your debt to rate debt to income ratio and you're just like i don't know how this is going to happen there's something inside of you that springs up i'm a i am an heir but i am also a citizen to a different kind of kingdom and though people will run to the bottle run to alcohol run to gossip people will run to all these different things when they have problems i know where i'm gonna run at here's what happens here's what happens i want to show you this when you get up in the morning you get dressed that, that word, uh, you ever wondered where people say, I'm dressed to the nines? Like, it doesn't, what does that mean? You know what I mean? Like, I'm dressed to the nines. You just say it because it sounds good, but you never even, I went to the Google and I found out what it means. It, there's a lot of different definitions, but one of them that they can kind of zero it in is that tailors would take suits and they would take nine yards of suits, the whole nine yards. Y'all remember that one? They would take nine yards of material and they would create these suits. And the more material that you had, the more prestigious that you were. And you would watch as men, kings, would walk. And the Bible says it. <laughs> the Bible says this. But history says that kings would walk into, into palaces. And they would have these long robes of every single battle that they fought and that they've won. And they would have king's robes attached to each one of their robes. Every time they conquested or they beat another kingdom, they would have their robe and it would be filled with all this. And they would have so much material on them. And you would watch these long robes of prestige. And here's what this looks like. Look at all the material that goes into this thing. That when you get up in the morning, Father, I thank you for being my dad. Follow hallowed are your name. Your name is separated. You are still Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh. I honor you by your name. Father, I thank you and I pray for your kingdom and your will to happen. I, I get on your agenda, not my own agenda. And Father, I ask that you would provide everything that I need. Give me the daily bread. Forgive me of my sins. I forgive those who have sinned against me. Father, I pray that I don't be led into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Here's where it gets fun. And Father, I pray today that you would arm me with the helmet of salvation. That my mind, my thoughts would be lined up with your thoughts. Father, don't let the enemy get in here. Let me think pure thoughts. Let me think truth thoughts. Let me get the, Father, I pray that you would arm me with the breastplate of righteousness. I've messed up and you know me, but I am your righteousness. I am your daughter. I am your son. 
Father, I pray that you would arm me with the belt of truth today. Protect my most intimate moments, my most intimate places. But Father, let me reproduce the truth. But let me be able to hold everything together with the truth. You are God and I believe in you. Father, I pray that you would arm my feet with the readiness to preach the gospel of peace. Let me bring balance wherever I go. And my job and my relationships, let me be balanced in peace today. Father, I pray, Lord, that today that you would soak my shield with your Holy Spirit. That you would soak my shield with your word. That today, Father, that every flaming arrow of the enemy through every single advertisement, through every single plan and strategy of the enemy, let me stand behind this shield and be protected. Let my faith, Lord God, protect me. Father, I pray that today you would give me the mahara. Here's where I'm going to do battle. As I read the scriptures today, teach me. Show me. Help me, Father God, to be able to break every demonic curse, Lord, every generational curse. Father, let me do damage with this sword. When you wake up in the morning talking like that, there's not a devil in hell that won't war with you because you're dressed to the nines. Now when you stand in front of a bunch of veterans and you feel like an idiot and you don't know what you're doing there, there's people that come up and say, I don't know what, I don't know why, but hey, my mom is, she's dealing with cancer. I, I just felt like I needed to talk to you about it. I can't do nothing for your mom, but, but I know somebody who can. Let's talk to him. Give me your hand. Things change when you're dressed to the nines. Things change when you're walking into spaces where all of a sudden people tell you that something different about you. Bro, if you knew me, <laughs> if you knew my past, but I, I'm dressed wearing something totally different that was given to me. I'm dressed to the nines because God... And his sovereignty saw fit for me to be a soldier in his army and a citizen in his kingdom. Ain't got nothing to do with me. It's all about my position and where I stand. Would you do me a favor and would you bow your head and close your eyes in this place? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. And we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media platforms at My Greater.